Welcome to Daikaiju Network, where we have a very healthy obsession with kaiju. I am your co-host, Kent. And, and I'm Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are. We are continuing our trek through two tokusatsu shows. Uh, this one, Jason, has seen all the way through before. The other one, uh, we've only seen a couple episodes of, uh, not including the ones we covered um, a couple weeks ago, but we are covering Common Rider uh, as well. So here we are, our first batch of Spectrum Man episodes. Episodes one through three we're covering in this show. And before we proceed, Jason, is there any um, sort of tidying up we need to do here? Yeah, as uh, as always, I'm just going to bring up the screen here. Uh, you can uh, find us uh, all of our social media networks and our uh, website, and then uh, there's audio players and stuff on our uh, uh, link tree link that you can see right there at the very top uh, over at Linktree slash uh, Daikaiju Network. And we're on uh, the following video platforms, YouTube, Twitch, where we uh, stream live every day. And uh, all of our videos uh, get uh, transferred over to Rumble uh, the following day there. And uh, we're in our audio platforms uh, listed below that we're uh, on currently over at the Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and as well as TuneIn. And uh, you can, uh, uh, if you see a red subscribe button down below, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that uh, subscribe button and, and as well as uh, smash that like button and as well as uh, click on the uh, notification bell icon to get uh, any further updates in the future when we're uh, live and everything. And uh you can go to our own website where we have both uh, video and audio versions of our uh, episodes and as well whenever we do blogs, reviews, so on and so forth. Our own website at daikaijunetwork.com. So we're not on you, uh, Facebook anymore? Well, I've, I've mentioned to you as I, far as – There's been so uh, much going on in my own life here. Your loss sucks. <laughs> but I've been thinking about uh, when we go to uh, when we do episode 150, and I'll have to talk with you about that after when we get done with the show. But when we do uh, 150, probably go back to uh, Facebook or something of the sort. But that's just kind of not definite yet. So. Oh, well. Well, as mentioned, we are covering the first three episodes of Spectre Man. The show debuted in 1971. Um, a quick note on the version that we're going to be watching throughout this whole retrospective is that we're watching the English version of Spectre Man that debuted in the States in 1978. And so as a result, some of the names and plot points we are going to discuss mean not be fully accurate or complete as a result of that anybody who has been uh, watching japanese uh, tokusatsu long enough knows that when you get into english dubs and and edits things aren't always uh, as pure as you would uh, think they are so like for example here mm -hmm. in the american edit our main character who ends up turning into spectrum man his name is george but in the original Japanese, it's Joji. Uh, Karis, the um, ape assistant for Dr. Gori, uh, is actually Ra 
in Japanese. So, you know, we may end up using those names interchangeably as we go along this retrospective here. Um, just a mm. quick uh, little, I guess, brief history of Spectre Man. Spectre Man really came at a time and I think is a response to the massive pollution problems Japan was facing at this time as you enter the late 60s and you go on through a large chunk of the 70s uh, tokyo was the most polluted city in the world and in japan in general was having massive pollution issues all of this was the result of the country having gone through reconstruction post-world war ii uh economy was booming like crazy but Unfortunately, as a result of that, politicians and, and just the people in general uh, did not have the foresight as far as the consequences of some of those actions. Uh, hence, even the same year that Spectre Man debuted in Japan, you had Godzilla versus Hedorah. And then in the United States in the early 70s as well, you would have pollution issues as well. And then you would have the EPA being uh, ushered in, and then you would have Clean Water Act, and then Earth Day would end up coming in and you would have all sorts of things really kind of across the globe being implemented in different countries to kind of clean up the air, clean up the water, clean up the food and all that. But it's kind of like Japan and the United States kind of were on, they were kind of mirror images of one another when it came to sort of issue. So Spectre Man, I didn't even realize this until I started watching it in preparation for the show is it is in many ways sort of um, uh, what I am going to call not only to be partially funny, but to be kind of you know true is that it's a tree hugger type show in a, in a way. Uh, <laughs> it, it is about fighting uh, Dr. Gory, who um, was this ape-like uh, humanoid from the planet. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a a mutant uh, from uh, was a planet E, yeah, and uh, he was uh, assigned to the government to kind of help them uh, do stuff. But then over time, that they kind of found out that he was doing things that sort of threatened the government. He wanted there. to use their advanced technology for evil purposes rather than good they tried him and they sentenced him i don't remember the exact sentence but nevertheless Karis, an army general helped him to escape via ufo uh after going through a magnetic field which blasted them across the solar system they came upon the earth dr gory really loved it but was disgusted by the amount of pollution and has since decided he's going to use that pollution against humanity to destroy them so that he can colonize the earth and that's basically kind of what specter man is it's kind of dr gory continuing to use sludge air pollution all that stuff to create monsters to eradicate humanity and therefore Spectre Man, an android from Nebula 71 brought down by the Overlord I mean to me when you have a <laughs> boss named the Overlord I think of something more evil than, than good but oh well um, yeah. and Spectre Man obviously is sent to help young uh, civilizations from destroying themselves and to prosper which part of me when I heard that was like well, if they're going to destroy themselves, let them do it. It's not your responsibility. Like, <laughs> you know, like what, you know, what skin in the game do you guys at Nebula 71 have with the people of Earth? But 
that's basically the gist of the entire series. And so the individual stories are going to be a little bit different here. Um, so, Jason, uh, before we start diving into the individual episodes, is there anything you want to add or say about the series as a whole? Yeah, um, and I know over the years, and I probably have mentioned on past episodes that I have watched Spectre Man before, and I've uh, mentioned about it to Kent countless times and stuff. The last time I saw it, it was on a, uh, a YouTube channel about uh, seven or eight years ago, and I went through it, and I, and I really enjoyed uh had the whole setup and story to it. And I liked uh, Dr. Gore. I think he was probably one of the more uh, unique uh, characters I've seen in the whole tokusatsu uh, realm and everything. And it's like, that's probably one of the more memorable parts from the show is Dr. Gore uh, himself. And, and I, mentioned this to Kent via Facebook Messenger. I'm not sure if you saw it that uh, like it seemed when I watched the first few episodes, it felt a little bit different to me than when I watched it uh, uh, seven or eight years ago. It's like I don't quite remember the whole story building and everything, but I know we'll kind of sort of get to the, the nitty gritty of things when we get into the uh, the first few episodes here. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just go ahead and, and dive into that. The first episode uh, is titled Gory Targets the Earth. Or Assignment Earth. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. So, I mean, basically this is our introductory episode. However, unlike some... Uh, tokusatsu shows where you get sort of an origin for the hero we really don't get that here specter man is already on earth and um dr gory it, it seems like to me has been on the earth not too terribly long but maybe a brief bit of time it seemed like that's what it seemed like to me as the episode was uh talking about it and then it gives dr gory's uh, uh, background story, which we talked about here a few minutes ago. And um, really, uh, he ends up bringing about this um, kind of a plant squid-like creature called the Hedron. You kind of notice slug. it's similar to Hedora, you know, it's, but then again, the mm. Japanese words, obviously, the prefixes and all that are going to be very similar. Um and then towards the end of the episode, uh, we get George or Joji turned into Spectre Man uh, confronting this Hedron. And then it ends up being a to be continued because Dr. Gory has Kara shoot a ray at Spectre Man. And I guess Spectre Man, too, I, it must have been a quick shot because I missed it. But I guess Spectre Man fired his Spectre Ray uh, at Hedron, and Hedron kind of was on fire a little bit as well. Um, and then it was kind of a to be continued. And then George, earlier in the episode, uh, as a humanoid, decides, hey, he's going to join this um, – I forget exactly the organization's name, but it's a pollution-type organization that I guess It's works. called the uh, Pollution G-Team or G-Men. Now, is it part of the government or is it a third party? I uh, thought it was a third party. That works it's, with the it's, government. It's a government-run uh, okay. thing. 
So yeah, I, I mean, basically, the the whole point of them is to try to figure out ways to combat the pollution that Japan, and, and maybe even more specifically Tokyo, is undergoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to point out uh, is that I think this is one of the only uh, Tokusatsu shows that really uh, pans out the whole. Uh, backstory of a main antagonist to a specific show and like when you compare it to a lot of uh, tokusatsu shows or kaiju shows or movies or so on and so forth you don't really get a whole lot of uh, backstories to uh, to a lot of the main antagonists of the uh, TV shows of this nature, and they really go in depth with uh, Doctor Gory and everything, and they really, you know, flesh out his story. And I really like how they do it uh, with uh, Spectre Man. I think this is probably one of the most detailed backstories for a Tokusatsu. Uh, main antagonist. Yeah, I will say I enjoy it. I like I said a moment ago. I do wish we got more on the background of Spectre Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of that is coming down the road, but well, um, it seems like that they like well with a lot of the Tokusatsu so- shows that you get background stories with the main protagonist, but not so much with the uh, antagonist. Yeah. But this time around, it's sort of flipped. Yeah, and I want more of Spectre Man's story. Like, I, I don't need it to be a novel or anything. I just kind of want to know where is this character coming from? Um, well, Dr. Gory, I will... They, they sort of briefly tell it, but it doesn't take it's It's next to nothing. Yeah, You, you might as well just say nothing because that's yeah. what we get out of it as well as a big old nothing. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. that does nothing for the character. But with regards to Dr. Gory and, and his background story, uh, I do like that. Uh, but I will say it's it's very, uh, very much of a trope because I've seen numerous villain background stories like this before in other TV shows and movies, not just uh, – out of the tokusatsu but i've seen it in western uh movies and and tv show storytelling as well and to me yeah even though it's a trope and you can kind of roll your eyes at it for some people it may be like oh my gosh this is an original or whatever because we've seen something like this before where a villain whose civilization or country you know whatever has um has is is either scientifically and or technologically advanced and instead of going along with the society that uh tends to want to use either such technological or scientific advancements for good this individual wants to use it for evil they end up being ostracized and exiled and so there you go and and to me it's like okay yes this has been done numerous times throughout human storytelling history but at the Mm -hmm. same time to me it's like i'm okay with that i I mean first and foremost in today's world there's very little if any originality anymore because so many stories have been told over like nearly 10,000 years of, of modern human existence. So mm. y- you're not going to get a whole lot of originality. And to me, it's okay. Are the details good enough to where I am invested enough? And with regards to Dr. Gory, I am invested. I think there, I'm not fully invested. I'm not over, I'm not like overjoyed over it, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> 
I am mildly impressed. I'm like, okay, they actually did something instead of something like, uh, what was it, a guillotine from Johnny Sacco where he just kind of showed up and it's like, okay, he's some evil alien that wants to conquer the earth. And typically with me, it's like, okay, sometimes I watch this stuff for general escapism, which is fine, and I don't need to know something other than black and white, good versus evil. I'm okay with that if I'm just wanting to sit there and just enjoy it for the sake of special effects and fights and explosions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you want a little more meat on the bones. And Dr. Gorey does provide that again very tropish type of story but it's good enough to where i'm like okay at least there's something to this character here that i at least understand why he's doing what he's doing and may i ask as being a tree hugger myself um there is a part of me that is very happy that dr gory himself even though he is a villain he is also disgusted by the pollution on the earth the only thing that makes him bad is not only does he want to eradicate humanity, he's going to use that same pollution to do so. And then, too, with the whole uh, climate and everything when it comes to these type of shows, during that time in the 70s when all the you – know, I know I think back in the 70s or something, it was climate cooling at the time and then 90s global warming and so on and so forth. It's like I know kind of what you mentioned about uh, trope tropisms with storytelling and all that stuff. The whole climate situation when it comes to these shows during that time was a lot of, you know, part of that whole tropism sort of thing to kind of get the, the story, the characters and stuff um, moving forward uh, with these type of things. And some, some of the parts with, with that whole climate story thing can be a little bit intriguing if if you can try to make it uh intriguing and interesting in a way but i know at times uh when you kind of do the same thing over and over again it just kind of kind of gets a little bit old in a way well and a lot of movies and shows very much are products of their time. Uh, like, for example, after 9-11, you had very uh, not only patriotic movies being produced here in the States, but a lot of stuff dealing in general with terrorism. And then, um, like, in the mid Two thousands, there were a lot of movies. The Dark Knight actually was one of these movies. And in fact, you could argue perhaps the whole Nolan trilogy in some regards, but the Dark Knight definitely incorporated this was sort of um, spying on its own citizens, hence the Patriot Act and some of the uh, controversy that surrounded that when it was passed. Um, And then like you were talking about, I wouldn't say it was climate change, but rather pollution um, was the deal uh, during the 70s here. And yeah, um, it it very much was a product of its time in terms of that it was was and still is a major problem. Um, Things are getting better, thankfully, although still could be better. Um, But it was one of those things, too, where... You had Yoshimitsu Bano, the director of Godzilla vs. Hedorah, who was very concerned about this and was thinking, hey, through um, entertainment, through pop culture, we can kind of get the message out there for people to not only pay attention, but to try to do something about it themselves, to try to get politicians to do something about it. 
to just become proactive in solving this problem because otherwise this is going to be the consequence if we don't do anything about it. And I think that's kind of what the the people producing Spectrum Man were doing as well. It's like this is a problem. We can use that for storytelling and entertainment purposes, of course, but at the same time, similar to Godzilla versus Hedorah, we can sort of illustrate the terrors of pollution by making the metaphors as kaiju and terrorizing and destroying people. Like, for example, at least because, again, I'm not as familiar with this. This is my first time going through the series. The first three episodes we have here, you have kaiju that are spitting uh, pollution acidic like substances poisonous uh, from gases. their mouths yeah it's yeah. stuff that is the result of noxious fumes being spewed from car exhaust factories and just other ingredients that are found in sludge and all that other stuff so in a in a way yeah it's entertainment but it's also sending a message uh, as well <laughs> And here yeah. we are. We're talking about, uh, you know, socio-political type messaging. But see, that's the thing. People, uh, I, I would argue because I've seen this happen so much in the last two or three years, um, not just within the Godzilla fandom, although I've seen it most ha- happening most within the Godzilla fandom on social media, but I've even seen it in general happening with discussions in regards to Tokusatsu and saying either they aren't political. Or, um, uh, oh wow, <laughs> must be a wedding going on over there. Did not know that. Um, uh, sidebar. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, th- that there's no political message or messaging or whatever at all. And I, along with many other people, are going, do you even remotely pay attention to these movies? Because look at the United States. You have movies that have some type of messaging. It doesn't always have to be political, but there's always some type of messaging attached to them. And you take a look at Godzilla, the the horrors of nuclear testing and the horrors of the aftermath of the two atomic bombs that were dropped in Japan. You have um, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is very comedic, but it also talks about commercialism. You have Mothra versus Godzilla, once again, kind of about commercialism with exploitation involved. Um, you know, there you go through the gambit of the Godzilla saga in and of itself, and you're going to find messages in there. They may not always be political, but there's a message in there. Son of Godzilla tampering with the weather or climate you know there you go Mm -hmm. you know and i mean it's it's all over the place and Mm -hmm. you know specter man is no different but uh yeah kind of going back uh to talk about episode one here um as far as uh, well we talked about uh dr gory's uh backstory there let's talk about um hedron in a way kind of the appearance and everything i know it's sort of it, the show is made around the time when godzilla versus hedora uh came into play and i think i think it might have aired maybe before or a little after this was uh, uh released in if i remember it was june 
mid late June of seventy one. You know what? Time for another round of uh, research here. You know, we need some uh, sound effects like research. Captain <laughs> Jason Dar doing research. Research. Knowledge is power. Like something like it that. Says, it says the original release was January second of January one. So yes, this did come before easily before Godzilla vs. Sedora, because most Godzilla movies came out in December. I don't know if that was true with Sedora. Well, well, I think uh, I think some of the movies from the show of Godzilla era. Well, yes. Uh, released around March. So yeah, we'll like Mothra vs. Godzilla was in March. And then uh, Ghidra was released like October, November or something like that. Because then he did Dagora in between. Yeah, uh, release day for uh, Godzilla vs. Zadora was actually July 24th of 1971. So, I mean, there. still, like, half a, more than half a year. Um Difference now. Does that mean that Yoshi Mitsubano and Toho were like peekabooing on other studios as far as what they or were, or maybe doing? vice versa, and they try to beat them first? <laughs> well, and they might because again, you know, we've talked about numerous times on this podcast about how production, at least in Toho, with Godzilla films, there was always such a, a very short production schedule and TV production time in Japan during kind of the Showa era. Regardless of studio, especially for science fiction fair, mm. was even shorter. Mm. And like you had one season of like 50 some odd episodes and you only had like a few months to put it together. So good luck with that. Like, yeah. you know? like, <laughs> but uh, talking about uh, Hedron, um, yeah, as far as the design of it, it, it just seems a bit random in a way. It doesn't really represent much of anything although uh i think when we get to the second episode is more or less kind of this sea slug in a way kind of this more mutated sea slug in a way that sort of fed on all the pollution and everything and then had these i don't know how you call it dreadlock tentacles or something tentacles of sorts <laughs> yeah on on the head and everything and then sprayed all this corrosive uh, mist in a way, uh, breaking down all the buildings and such. As far as the design, uh, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I just don't quite know what it's supposed to represent in a way. I it's like when I said to myself, like. Things seem to be a, a lot, a little bit different than what I remember. Is like I don't quite remember Hedron in a way, kind of looking like this, uh, in a way, kind of looking like this slug type of thing. It just seemed a bit weird to me. Yeah, my initial thoughts on Hedron were, my gosh, this is lazy design. But then again. Re just like we talked about, remembering the very short period in which. Um, studios had to produce TV episodes. Um, you know, you you had to do what you had to do, even though it may not have been exactly what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I kind of was like, it's not that inspiring. It's pretty generic. I can, you know, take it or leave it. I'm not that sold on it or in love with it. But then, yeah, like you were talking about the second episode in which um, 
again, I forget like a sea snail type of inspiration. I go, okay, like that makes more sense. Why didn't they show that in the, in the first episode is beyond me. But, um, it's one of those deals where, um, uh, you get, you get an idea now as far as what they're playing with here, as far as inspiration, Mm -hmm. I'm going, okay, that makes more sense. Still generic, but at least now I can kind of buy it a little bit more because now I'm thinking to myself, it's not just some slapdash thrown together, simple design that the producers of the show were kind of like, well, we don't have a whole lot of time. So let's just go ahead and just kind of throw some clay together. And here we go. Like we got a creature. It's there, there was some sort of inspiration behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as far as the story for episode one, I don't quite remember it being a little bit, a slow builder in a way it's a bit unusual when it comes to tokusatsu shows it's like when it comes you know with most of them they just basically go into things almost right away but with this one you know with the whole backstory to dr gory and everything is kind of more or less a, a slow build and to me i think if you're a person that's hasn't been uh well inversed with you know kaiju or tokusatsu tokusatsu uh films or tv shows in that matter i think this is in my opinion i think maybe sort of a good entry point to kind of get some people uh you know kind of get them introduced into more of the tokusatsu realm of things just to kind of get them you know slow build things instead of just fast paced things because we need to do like a lot of things fast pace and making things a bit confusing i think that's a lot of things kind of getting people tuned out with a lot of things with this one where it kind of slow builds things i think that's a good thing to kind of get them a little bit more invested in a way and kind of get them to watch the show more um, I don't think it's necessarily a slow build. I think it sort of depends on your tolerance for world building. Again, if you're one of those folks that um, is all for um, just general entertainment, you know, explosions, and I'm talking about this genre in, in particular, you're talking about explosions, you're talking about just a lot of effects work, you're talking about people in monster creature costumes, uh, you know, doing a WWE style and, and all that. If that's your thing, then maybe some of this is, yeah, maybe slow to you. But for others who I consider myself in between, I can do both worlds where I can uh, appreciate a good, in-depth, rich storytelling, and I can also take just pure entertainment schlock where you just turn off your brain and you take it for what it is. Um, To me, this sort of sits not quite in the middle, but a little bit more into the schlock, but next to the middle, if that makes sense, uh, if I were putting it on that spectrum. So, um, yeah, I I mean, there's storytelling. It's still, again, I, I believe I even mentioned this when we were beginning to talk about this it's um it's tropish and it's not in depth but it gives you just enough to where you understand what the deal is 
and that's all I really need. But again, like with Johnny Sacco, like I, I sort of criticized that a little bit earlier, saying that Guillotine just kind of showed up and just wanted to conquer the earth. And I think some people out there listening to that, well, Johnny Sacco is a good show. How could you say that? I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying that it. Look, and I love Johnny Sacco. Let me let me make that clear. I do mm-hmm. like the series, despite the fact that it has certain shortcomings, just like everything else. But, um, you know, if I'm looking for something a bit more to it, then Spectre Man, at least for the moment, because I've only seen the first three episodes, has a bit more of that. Um, But then again, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they did with Johnny Sacco and Guillotine uh, Mm -hmm. either. Uh, You know, Johnny Sacco is a series I've seen three times from beginning to end. I do find it entertaining. I find it even funny at times, like unintentionally funny at times because I I, I like that sort of thing. There are just times, and I said this over the last two and a half years since we've been under this pandemic, I have wanted escapist entertainment. I want to ignore the outside world every once in a while and pretend it doesn't exist. And something like a Johnny Sacco, I think, is perfect entertainment for something like that. Spectre Man, I think, is too. Spectre Man, I think, though, is a bit heavier because it does deal with sort of a real world problem that not only really plagued the 70s, but still, in a sense, plagues us now uh, as well. It's not as terrible, but it's but because of the accumulation of pollutants over decades, if not 200 years, has caught up to us, and we're now seeing, you know, some real serious problems as a result of that. So um, it's entertainment, but it's still heavy in a sense as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there really anything else you wanted to? kind of touch upon for episode one or should we just kind of... I just have to say uh, as far as costumes, I still find it funny and this is I think the charm of not just tokusatsu but more specifically tokusatsu shows in which the actors playing Dr. Gori and Karas are supposed to be apes but when you look at Dr. Gori, uh, the ends of his coat sleeves to where his white gloves are, pure human skin. (laughs) No sense of gorilla, ape, primate type of, um, you know, flushing there. It's it's all human skin. So um, I find that funny. <laughs> I do like the the appearance of both uh, Dr. Gory and uh, Karis in a way. And with Dr. Gory, he's just kind of that slick, uh, more intelligent uh, type like of that, yeah. <laughs> uh, person in a way. And I think a lot – out of a lot of the antagonists that we've seen uh, other tokusatsu shows, I think he's probably one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, out of the uh, tokusatsu antagonists, in a way. And then as far as the, the suit for uh, Spectre Man, I do like kind of the, the whole uh, gold and then uh, brown kind of um, color palette to the design i like the helmet and everything it it really suits uh specter man away although you would think although you would think you know with the names uh specter man you know with him doing the specter ray with the rainbow and everything you think it'd be a little bit more uh rainbow appearance in a way but that 
really wouldn't work out <laughs> the best in a way. So I think yeah. kind of that gold and brown <laughs> color palette I think suits him best. Yeah, um, I you know I wrote these notes down after watching episode three, but I might as well just say it now. In that, Doctor, I like the actor doing Doctor Gory. Uh, the actor doing Doctor Gory is and, absolutely and the what and the dubber. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give more credit to the actor simply because the actor is very expressive. The masks are ever so slightly expressive not quite though but the actor does a lot of body language that is very reminiscent of what Yosho Tsuchiya did with the Mysterians leader and even more so with the Xeon leader of Planet X from the Monster Zero movie and I see a lot of resemblances to Yosho Tsuchiya's acting from those two movies in this uh, actor's performance and I love that um an awful lot and i must say too and i uh, i was going to say this earlier and i forgot because we got caught up on some other side tangents um obviously um dr gory and and his race and all that were very much inspired by the planet of the apes movies Mm -hmm. that at the time of this show's original release in japan those movies were like a year and a half old uh, at that point. Uh, the first movie was released um, in 68. And um, so definitely, and those movies were very, very popular for quite a while. And so uh, hence again, like in 74 with Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, um, you know, you got Planet of the Apes, uh, you know, imitators there too. So yeah, it's, it's very apparent that if you know a little bit of your cinema history, history as far as at least in a general sense the years of when certain films were released and you see certain resemblances you you know what is happening so yeah mm-hmm. but i mean i'm ready for final thoughts in a in a grade yeah why don't you uh, go right ahead all righty here pull up my document here spectrum man is a show that is a, uh, a response to Jap- japan's awful pollution problems during the late 60s and into the 70s what i like about this series already is that even the villain is appalled by the pollution of the planet and uses that pollution to create kaiju to eradicate humanity so he and Karis can colonize this new world. Being a fan of the original Planet of the Apes movies, I do find it amusing and fun that it's obvious those movies inspire Gory, Karis, and their race for the show. Like most shows aimed at a younger audience during the period, there are moments of comedy that are a bit too grown-inducing for adults, but much of the substance is still entertaining and engaging to keep adults content as well. I would have loved to know more about Spectrum Man itself and think it's a bit odd that his overlord is willing to kill him if a secret identity is ever discovered. It makes their race villain-esque as well. Gory's story is similar to what we've seen in a number of movies and shows from Japan and the West in that he wishes to use new technological and or scientific advancements for evil rather than good and is banished as a result. It's wrote but I still think it's an effective storytelling method if the character's story is told well enough. Here, Gory's story is fairly simple, but more intriguing given the fact that he too is disgusted by the pollution rather than embracing it, as I believe most Western writers would have written his character. For a first episode, I am brought into the story and do want to see more. I am intrigued and excited as to where we can go from here, and I gave it an A. Nice. Yeah, I couldn't quite hear as much because it seems like 
whenever you do your final thoughts or something, <laughs> your your internet kind of breaks up a little weird. bit, and, and your audio kind of gets maybe a bit if I go slower. I don't know, a bit a bit One suspicious. Time. But now, but now it sounds <laughs> a lot clearer. So yeah, it's a it's a bit sus. A bit sus. <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, as far as episode one, um, like I mentioned, uh, it well, and, and like with the first few episodes, it's kind of kind of a slow building. But I think that's that's a bit of a good thing in a way, kind of to learn a, a little bit about the backstories of certain things, you know, the villain, uh, some of the characters, so on and so forth. And it doesn't have to be everything going all at once and or battles all at once uh, in one episode. And with uh, episode one, it's not a whole lot of going on, just more or less uh, backstory and kind of building things up to, you know, to get the whole show moving forward. And I really do kind of enjoy it, especially with the backstory of uh, Dr. Gory in a way with with all the tokusatsu shows that I mentioned before that I think this is probably the most well-in-depth uh, backstory for a main antagonist uh, there. And again, I do like uh, the whole character of Dr. Gory, how he looks and uh, along with uh, Karas and then as well as uh, uh, Spectre Man away. Um, yeah. So, I do look forward to um, moving on, moving forward with the show as we uh, review this down the road. So, with uh, episode one, I also give it an A. All right. So, moving on to episode two, titled uh, "Destroy the Pollution Monster Hedron," or "The Horror of Hedron." <laughs> All right. So, we get a continuation of what happened at the end of the first episode where uh, it was a to be continued. So uh, um, this is kind of where I started noticing uh, with this episode and the last one, and I think it's even worse in episode three, there, there are some interesting um, jump cuts and weird edits. And, and I'm not quite sure... To what extent the, the um, U.S. Uh, distributor had in making such cuts, and how much the original Japanese studio had in making some of those cuts, uh, uh, it becomes very jarring. And like I said, I think episode three is far worse than two. Uh, um, but I will say this: um, I was kind of taken aback, and this is maybe the one. Thing I will remember most about Spectre Man, even long after we're done with this series, is the absolute bombastic violence that Karas does near the beginning of this episode where he's taking people's arms and ripping them behind them, and he jumps on a man's head that ends up pushing this man's head into 
his body and the fact too that Karas and I think this is going to be an ongoing gag because it definitely happens in episode 3 where he's trying to blend in with human society but he never covers his face <laughs> I'm just like this show knows exactly what it is it's so ridiculous that on the one hand I love it but at the same time I'm laughing kind of at it as well so the whole you know, trying to blend in deal and then Karis's carnage. I'm just like, look, I mean, we've said this before. We're always kind of surprised at the level of violence in kids' movies and shows in Japan. But at the same time, it, it still surprises you because it's like, holy shit, he jumped on that guy's head and that guy's head is smashed into his actual chest cavity. Like, it's just. <laughs> It's just so. Crazy. See, I, I, I told you, I told you for many years that I think that you're gonna like this uh, entire show. I mean, I'm not joking. When I first saw that part where he jumps in the air and steps on that guy's head, I out loud said, "Holy shit!" Like I didn't realize they were good. I thought it was bad <laughs> enough he took the first guy's arms and like ripped them all the way back, and then. I audibly said, holy shit, when he stepped on that guy's head. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's, I think from what I can remember, it's going to be sort of an ongoing, an ongoing thing when uh, Dr. Gory orders Karis uh, to go down to Earth to do certain things. And a lot of times he'll wear that whole uh, pea coat and uh, hat sort of thing that you saw it's hilarious uh, and uh i think maybe parts maybe just one part of episode two but mainly in episode three you'll you'll kind of see him a little bit more wearing that whole pico and uh hat <laughs> sort of thing with the sunglasses <laughs> it's so dumb but at the same time they know what they're doing and they're kind of poking fun at themselves as well i i think it's great Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when it when it comes to episode two, you get to see more of what Hedron is sort of representing in a way, kind of like what you mentioned about uh, earlier in the episode here. That uh, and and I too that uh, Hedron is kind of more of the sea slug sort of thing. You see in uh, one of the scenes in this episode where uh, Doctor Gorio. Uh, opens up this kind of this window to see this whole kind of uh, tank in a way and uh, see the sea slug uh, being put into it and then being fed a lot of the pollution and everything and then later on gets uh, unleashed by Dr. Gory and then turns into uh, Hedron uh, there and um, also another thing to um before all that you know when you talked about Karis and stuff uh jumping on this guy's head and everything well after that whole thing uh he finds uh joji unconscious and then takes uh the specter man helmet and then uh, takes it back to Dr. Gord to Which I inspect. thought was weird, because if he changes back into a human, shouldn't the helmet just kind of automatically disappear as well? That, yeah, you kind of think that is in weird. a way. And let me just say, 
one of my biggest gripes, in fact, the biggest gripe I have about this episode is that it's meandering. It's meandering because what ends up happening is because Joji got burnt up pretty nice uh, as a result of that ray from the last episode. The Overlord, gosh, what an awful name, um, is repairing his armor and two or three times Joji is saying look I, I need to change can I change into Spectre Man and he's like denied and there's sort of this slow these slow moments where he's just kind of by himself kind of humdrumming it and really nothing's happening nothing of substance is mm. happening and um you know, this little kid is a momentary, momentarily member of this same organization. In fact, he doesn't come back, uh, at least not in episode three. And there's really nothing happening throughout a large chunk of the episode. And I it's must say, I'm a little concerned like, right now. <laughs> it's just more or less a, uh, kind of the team kind of further doing some investigating around the whole Bay Area. It's thing, more or less kind of continuing from episode two. And the thing is, is that there really is not that much in the way of actual investigation. Like there isn't much of like what you would see in the Shiro Honda movies where they would take moments to have like a conference and actually talk about either something that they grabbed, like uh, like some of the rocks or whatever from Destroy All Monsters that had the transmitters inside of them. Or talking like we had some reconnaissance. This is what we saw. This is the direction of said kaiju or creature or whatever was going. Like what's our plan of attack moving forward? Because they're moving in a southeasterly direction. Direction. And so, you know, what do we do here? You know, there's none of that. There's really, they think there's something going on, but the way that they filmed it and the way that they portray it, really nothing is going on. Well, and I know towards the end of episode two that they took some samples of, you know, of the sludge from Hedron and all that, but that was basically after when hedron was it's destroyed. after the point yes so it it just you know what you mentioned too with some of the editing of the episode stuff that was a bit jarring uh here and there i think that was to i think that's a bit part of it where they probably should have added that more towards the middle or something and then they kind of investigate you know how it was made you know blah 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 um yeah it just it just seemed like some of the ordering of some of the scenes and editing was kind of out of you know out of places in some areas yeah i mean just in general and again to what extent um the editing was done by the japanese studio or the western so I don't know. There's not a whole lot of information out there as to the extent of the changes the Western studio made as opposed to the Japanese one. Um, it's tough to say, but nevertheless, going off of what I saw, it, it just – it was kind of boring in a sense. You, you had this very exciting um, – 
story being told in episode one where there really was not a dull moment even when they were telling a story they were telling good stories and here you have a large chunk of the episode where hardly anything's going on and they think there's something going on but the way it's filmed and shot really nothing and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sadly not impressed here and was it this episode or no i think it's the next one where uh rita gets kidnapped yeah it was the third okay well i'll wait i'll wait until we get to that one but yeah 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 it just um yeah there's really not a whole lot going on uh the way I look at things, just more or less, just sort of investigating things. Cars uh, taking uh, the helmet, which we don't really hear much about that once uh, Doctor Gore inspects the helmet and everything. It's there. more for and the then, audience. And then you don't really hear like whatever he did to, with that helmet afterwards. Really, to, nothing. And, and I and if. I remember. I think you don't really hear much about it after that whole. It's an exposition thing. piece to cue the audience in on a small bit of Spec- Spectrum Man's background. Yeah, and then you know, and then uh, Doctor Gore unleashes Hedron, and then uh, Joji transforms into Spectrum Man, defeats it, and then towards the end there too that. The child knows that Joji is a Spectre Man, but then, of course, I think you don't really know, uh, hear much from that uh, kid after this episode. And that was kind of basically. The Overlord killed him. <laughs> basically, it afterwards. So, yeah, you can make your own conspiracy theories <laughs> on that. The Overlord, though, should have killed Spectre Man because he told Spectre Man in the first episode if your identity is ever found out, we'll kill you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. So. so, so that's that's a little bit of a plot hole uh, there. But uh, yeah, that's I'm not that's surprised that occurred, the, though. That's basically the gist of uh, episode two there. So, just some uh, investigation and in quotes there, and then some more background stuff, and then get Spectre Man to be in a monster, and then that was basically it. Yeah. Well, my final thoughts on episode two is not quite as entertaining as the first episode. I will say, however, one of the things I'll always remember the series for is the brief bit of carnage Karis did to a handful of people early in the episode. Pulling people's arms all the way behind them and even stomping their heads into their bodies is really brutal. When Dr. Gory gets upset at Karis later in the episode over Spectrum Man being alive, I thought to myself that Gory better be careful considering what Karis showed he can do. Nevertheless, getting to see Hedron killed by Spectre Man was fun, but most of the episode was slowly building up George's character and attempting to build suspense by having the Overlord repair his armor. It's a pretty decent episode, but fairly meandering without a whole lot going on otherwise. I gave it a B plus. Yeah, I would agree with you on this episode that it's a bit of a a little bit more of a slower build, not not too much going on uh, in between uh, from from the beginning and to the end, where it's kind of kind of going down and then back up towards the end there. And uh, yeah, as 
not much, not much going on here. So, um, with episode two, I would, I would give uh, the horror of Hedron uh, a B plus too. All right, so on to episode three, which is the final episode we are covering for this podcast episode called Terror of the Blue Scum. Or The Fury of Dr. Gory, part one. (laughs) So as I stated when we were in our discussion on episode two, this is uh, episode two and episode three, and even more so with three, I thought some of the jump... Uh, cuts and edits were very distracting here and I thought that made episode 3 kind of chaotic in terms of trying to follow it because in the one moment a person's inside a particular building but within the next three to five seconds they're outside with another group of people without too much of a transition a proper transition um this one was hard to follow and um in my opinion i'm gonna say it right now has me worried about moving forward now with this series um i am getting mild flashbacks to ultra seven from earlier in the year um where i was built up with excitement and now things just within these first three episodes we're discussing have kind of started to decline um i'm a little concerned moving forward now with this series um i think the uh two kaiju that they have in this episode are pretty cool one we see more of than the other the dragon-like creature i found it very amusing though that it was stop motion maybe two-thirds of the time and then sort of a hand puppet Mm -hmm. slash uh, suit the other part of the time and stop motion is very time consuming and expensive Mm. but not only that it's just something you really don't see much of in Japanese pop culture. I mean, you just don't. Typically, it's it's all suits or now mm. computers. Um, I found it strange that stop motion played such a big part. But the, again, I think the reason why it did is because Spectre Man is fighting this creature human size. And I thought Spectre Man was like Ultraman, that Spectre Man could grow and fight larger opponents but i guess that's not something it can actually do yeah he he, he can actually do that i mean you can see it and why didn't they the do that here and, that. and see now i'm getting even more angry <laughs> 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 i am i mean first and foremost like i said the jump cuts and and weird edits made it hard to follow this episode in parts to begin with and because of the substance of this episode being what it is i wasn't too excited about it i I, i'm gonna say it right now the fight between spectrum man and the and the kaiju was not fun to watch i actually was not entertained by that um part of it was because i thought the stop motion was it was okay but it didn't provide you much with excitement if you want exciting stop motion sequences go look back to movies like ray harryhausen's jason and the argonauts or the three sinbad movies or what have you to figure out how to build action pieces with stop motion what they did here it was more of 
about vamping on either side than anything else with very little going on. And um, by the way, one of my favorite moments of this episode is kind of within the first five or so minutes where Spectre Man is talking to the Overlord and he's got his hand up in the air on the roof and Rita comes around the corner oh you're playing Hitler <laughs> like it's just this I, quick I knew you were probably going to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> I'm like whoa like first and foremost this was still a period of time post World War II where Japan was kind of like look we want to forget about that part of our history because they did team up with Nazi Germany in a way and I'm like, why would you go there? Like, <laughs> just, it's just mind-boggling. Well, and, then and, I- and, and one of the things when it comes to Spectre Man, and I know a lot of people have pointed it, pointed out that when he does his whole uh, transform, he'll either kind of do kind of the double hand thing or at times do like kind of the actual whole uh nazi i've noticed that too thing in a way too <laughs> well and i another part that i thought was funny um was maybe roughly midway through the episode where he's talking to the overlord he's wanting to once again transform into spectre man and he's told that he's denied and the overlord's like why don't you check on your friend and then he's kind of like oh yeah good thinking thanks for the reminder i'm like you were just talking about Rita here like 10 seconds earlier and you already forgot. And I can go with the show when it knows it's dumb, but when you start to actually be dumb, I'm having a problem. And this show starting in episode three is starting to be dumb and I am getting frustrated. I'm getting more frustrated now than I did with ultra seven because ultra seven, I kind of kept thinking, okay, this is just a rut. It'll get better. But because I went through ultra seven and I know how that turned out, I am expecting something very similar here with Spectre man. And that's why I am getting a bit more peeved than I would have otherwise if we had covered this like at the beginning of the year, because I am assuming that going forward, this may not get better. It may even get worse. And like I was saying about episode two, and at the top of discussing this episode, I'm beginning to get concerned now because I was like, Jason told me this was great. Like episode one was great. Episode two, I mean, it's step down, but whatever episode, oh my gosh, episode three. I mean, other than the stupid Hitler joke, like, <laughs> like there, there isn't much here. Even the fight actually is pretty dull and, I just... well, and then uh, just to kind of touch upon uh, your critique as far as the stop motion, I probably would sort of disagree with you on that uh, front. I I wouldn't really compare to more of the higher end uh, stop motion films like Ray Harryhausen. To me, it's a, a little bit of a disingenuous sort of thing because, you know, with and like what you mentioned earlier that they didn't delve a whole lot with stop motion they did a lot of things in suits so to me is this sort of uh try to you know kind of do a little bit of experimentation uh in a way and they you know try to they try to do their best and then of course you're you're not going to have experts trying to do no uh, 
the whole sort of thing. And I want to be clear, I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's it's not great, obviously. And again, because of short production times, you're not going to be able to spend gobs of hours each day like they would on those movies to to create, you know, smoother animation and stuff. But I still am wondering why in the world, you know, would you go this route? Because it is more time consuming than putting a suit together. But I don't know, maybe for whatever strange reason, it was cheaper this time to do stop motion than rather building a full suit. I don't know, but I still would think considering the, the amount of time it takes for stop motion, you would be better off building a suit. I'm, I, I don't know, but I, well, I think to me, it just makes no sense. Well, I think sort of in kind of the first parts of it, if I can remember that they try to do a little bit of stop motion, but I think uh, later on, I think they don't really do that anymore. And then hence why you kind of see like in the intros and stuff where you see him large and, and all that, where you have these large uh, kaiju and everything. So I think that's sort of how they think that they try. I think, Originally, they tried to do uh, the stop motion, but then I think they kind of realized it kind of got expensive in that regard, and that's why they kind of went with the whole uh, suit route and then kind of making uh, Spectre-Man big and everything and then fighting all these uh, big kaiju. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's terrible, but to me, just from a production standpoint, in many respects, it just it seemed like an odd choice to go with. But uh, mm. I, I mean, more or less, you kind of know what I think about this episode. I'm not very fond of it, and I'm just. Um, I'm getting kind of concerned moving forward now with this series because, like I said, it's it's gradually going down, in my opinion, as far as uh, entertainment value um, and just even real substance value as well. Um, you know, save me from this sinking ship, Jason. But like you were even saying, you don't remember certain things being a certain way. I'm starting to wonder, like, are we in for an Ultra 7 type of, of experience here? But, uh, yeah, and then this is the episode uh, two where Dr. Gore kind of, um, kind of more or less establishes his own uh main base in a way on earth instead of just being in a flying saucer like uh guillotine in uh johnny sacco where he's just in his uh spaceship most of the entire show there and then i know you mentioned about uh Karas capturing rita uh a little bit ago. i don't know if there was uh anything that you wanted to mention just about that maybe the, and, and i don't know if this is true or not but part of me was like king kong homage <laughs> maybe <laughs> or uh yeah maybe a, a little bit but i don't know um but uh yeah and then you got uh this blues i don't know if that was uh part of this one um uh, kaiju that was uh, in this episode, I know he uh, fires this uh, blue mist away. I don't know if that was sort of related to uh, the blue ooze that was sort of yeah, we're never had really... this uh, self-conscious uh, 
self-consciousness on its own. But yeah, we don't really get a whole lot in that uh, uh, regard. But yeah, then I and know that story can... point is never resolved. Yeah, but then I know once uh, Spectre Man uh, defeats this kaiju and then towards the end there when cars kid uh kidnaps uh rita there gets chased down by specter man and then you had dr gory sending out xeron which was uh building dr gory's main base there in the ocean he sent them out and then that was kind of when the uh the episode uh ends right there or to be continued uh right there so kind of on the cliffhanger for that so we'll kind of kind of have to wait and see for next time yeah well my final thoughts on episode three is the last two episodes have seen some weird edits and jump cuts in them to what extent the u.s producers had a hand in this is unclear regardless jumps and edits have been a bit jarring during these last two episodes i have to say too the actor portraying dr gory is an incredible actor and i you've already talked about this earlier i'm going to jump uh, um through this i talked Talked about Spectre Man, uh, like turning large. Um, uh, cars, okay. How, however, I felt my interest beginning to wane with this episode. It's beginning to feel as if the series is meandering and perhaps unsure of how it wants to proceed in telling its stories. I became pretty bored during most of this episode, and that has me concerned moving forward. Too much time is spent on particular character moments that really don't add up much of anything. And I must say, despite the neat combining of pseudomation with stop motion, I, I didn't care for the fight at the end of the episode. What began as something that got me really excited has now got me concerned that we're heading into a show that, while having good intentions, does not know how to effectively proceed. Sadly, as we progress through these first three episodes, I've become less enamored with the show. I'm really hoping it picks up again shortly, and I gave it a C-. minus. Wow. So, um, for me with this one, I think I have a little bit of a higher regard when it comes to this. Yeah, maybe some of the editing was a, a little bit jarring, but I was still more invested with this uh, episode compared to uh, to Kent here on this one. Um, I wish we had a little bit uh, more as far as what the blue ooze uh, was doing. It just seemed like it was sort of the main thing, but then you had um, the kaiju then come in in a ways and then kind of get a little bit more world building in this one here, kind of going along with episode one and two. Um, but I did sort of like how they try to do some stop motion with this one yeah it's not uh perfect uh or great or anything in that regard but i think it was kind of more or less trying to do their best and trying to uh trying to do something a little bit more uh experimental in a way and i think kind of in the long one long run that they sort of ditched the whole thing and they kind of sort of thought yeah, it's going to be a little bit expensive for how many episodes that we're going to be doing. So we'll just kind of do the whole uh, giant monster growing and then have having the humanoid size being grown big, kind of like Ultraman uh, in a way. But uh, yeah, with and I'll say it again with Dr. Gore, I really like 
the character and everything. Probably one of the better uh, villains in the whole tokusashi uh, genre and everything. But um, with uh, episode three, The Fury of Dr. Gory Part One, I would at least give it an A. All right. Well, with that, we wrap up this episode of Daikaiju Network. Within two weeks, we're going to talk about the next three episodes in Common Rider. That'll be episodes four through six. Or, or with with it uh, being episode one fifty the next time. I don't know if there is anything specific you want to dive into, or just sort of continue the back and forth. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, did you have something? Uh, no, not really. I just sort of thought if there was anything in specific just to kind of sort of commemorate uh, episode 150. People listening to us and, and know yeah. us can maybe give us money, I guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know well, we don't otherwise, have any, I'm not like, going to do I don't plan we, on We don't have any kind of... Uh, patreon or whatever it, doesn't it is matter. they can get in touch with us we got you know the youtube channel facebook twitter i mean there are all sorts of ways that we can get in touch with people and and they can be like hey what's your address or whatever where can or i have, send money or have some kind of uh print on demand merchandise or anything <laughs> so but uh yeah but yeah other other than that yeah uh thanks for watching and uh hoping you'll look forward to uh uh, the next few episodes of Common uh, Rider, and uh, is there anything else you want to mention before I kind of uh, do uh, kind of the last remaining? The Anybody last out there who's seen the show relatively recent, and I'm talking about Spectre Man, can you please like let me know if this indeed does get better? Because I do not want to go through another Ultra Seven. <laughs> I just don't. I, I two two of those shows in in one year. I can't do. <laughs> so please let me know if you know. And so, just kind of a, a last uh, reminder, sort of thing, before we close out here. If you see that uh, red subscribe button down below, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit. Uh, that and uh, to subscribe to us, smash that like button and as well as hit that notification bell icon so you can get uh, any further updates when we go live onto uh, YouTube. And if you see on the screen here, uh, you can find us everywhere in one place on our uh, link tree page. There, uh, you can uh, watch us live via Twitch, uh, you can listen to a lot of the episodes on any of the uh, audio platforms like uh, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, etc. Uh, over at Linktree slash Daikaiji Network. You can find us on these uh, listed video platforms when we're live. They're on YouTube, Twitch, and then uh, everything is archived into Rumble the following day. And you can find us on uh, the uh, audio platforms here, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and as well as uh, TuneIn. And you can find uh, both uh, video and uh, audio versions of our episodes at our own uh, website. We'll do uh, blogs here and there and all that uh, over at daikajunetwork.com. And so with that, once again, thank you for listening or watching, and we will see you.